It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. All right, here we go. Off and running. And if you're not aware of our lineup, uh, Tuesday, depending on when you're watching this, is John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. So we always look forward to that. Absolutely love visiting with John, so we'll get to him here momentarily. And you talk about a big show lined up. We got some pretty fantastic topics that my guy Caleb uh, Calhoun has uh, put together. And uh, But uh, there's one that's insane. There's, there's one crazy Caleb take, and it's that Joe is trying to avoid uh, spring games. So we'll just discuss that and why. And do you even care about spring games anymore? It used to be so neat to go because none of them were televised, but that's not the case anymore. They're all televised. Also on the program today, how tied is Josh Heupel to Nico Iamaleava? Does Nico have to be great, not just good for Josh Heupel to succeed? Also, is this the best quarterback class ever in the SEC? I know we're adding Oklahoma and Texas, but this is a perfect topic for John Adams because he's able to provide a little bit more depth in history. 
which is a nice way of saying he's old. We'll get to that. Uh, Tennessee's ticket sales exploding despite no postseason production. Is that okay? And Kelly Harper, where's that stand? Um, Is Tennessee going to have to make a significant coaching change? And I would consider that to be a significant one, even though it's technically a non-revenue sport. And also the NIL creating more parity. I told you this. I told you this would happen. Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Dave? Great. All right, let's get it up and going. Hello uh, to all those that are already there. Thank you so much. Uh, he said, "We're uh, me drinker says we're turning a new page today. That's ex- absolutely right. Nobody turns the page better than John Adams and Bob Seeger. Seeger was busy, so we go to John Adams, who I don't know is that a Notre Dame hat, John? What are we doing here? No, these are live lucky hats. Uh, that's all I buy for baseball caps now. Live oh. lucky, yeah." Uh-huh. Yeah, Butch Jones saw me wearing one of those. That was before his last season. I was out. I don't know why I went to practice. What, <laughs> what was wrong? What was wrong with me that because day? Your hamstr- uh, oh, because your look, hamstring was tight and you wanted to see how to stretch a hamstring. Yeah, look, they're stretching now. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> look at that. And they can still walk. Um, yeah, so I went out there and we're questioning and answering. First thing he noticed my live lucky hat with the clover leaf and so said, I need one of those. <laughs> Boy, did he need one of those? Yeah. He yeah. Did. He didn't well, have Well, you kind of have cap. to like Go ahead. I, I believe it I believe that luck does take people places, but don't you have to have a base level of skill before you can actually get the luck? Oh yeah, he was dreaming, but that's okay. <laughs> Being lucky yeah. and dreaming. I, I could have given him all 25 caps I have, and he could have worn them all on top of each other, and, and he could have slept in them, and no, he wasn't going to stick around. I know. That wasn't going to happen. So we've got a lot to get to on the program today. Excited, ready to roll, and I, I'm I'm really excited about this first question to be honest with you because i know that caleb and i uh genuinely disagree like a hundred percent on this one so those are the best ones do we sometimes argue points that we could probably go either way yeah i mean we're not skip bayless or stephen a smith but uh there are times where i could be 60 40 on something and i would argue it for the sake of what i feel like is good programming but um this one, I think Caleb and I are 110% against each other, John. So if you might have to separate a fight, are you comfortable with that if you have to? <laughs> I've never been stupid enough to try and se- separate a fight. <laughs> That's a good way to get a black eye, Dave. That's, that you is should a good know way that from your younger days. You know that from your younger days, your barroom brawling days. When do you think just is the to, last? When do you think's the last time I split up a fight? Just out of curious uh, curiosity, John. Because I, I, even though I'm push, pushing fifty here, I, I tend to be. Uh, uh, I have a good uh, social life. Let's say. I'd say eight or nine years ago. Um, uh, more along the lines of four months. All right, here we go. He's I'm Dave Oker with Caleb Calhoun. By the way, Caleb, how are you today? Oh, you already, it's okay, Dave. You actually did ask me how I was this time. You you only forget about me when Jimmy's on the show. For some That's reason, right. when John's on the show, you remember me. 
That's right, Mead. Mead says two weeks ago. I mean, I want to help. All right, hit that like and subscribe button and <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and get us get a head start if you can, because we're going to get into how important Nico is for Josh Heupel. But what I thought we would do guys is for our poll question we're going to change it up a little bit and our poll question is who's the second most important player on Tennessee's roster besides Nico so I'll post that on our YouTube page uh, here momentarily do you guys have a quick vote for us by the way um oh I don't have yesterday's uh ending poll question but nevertheless this is more important so, uh, who's the second most important player on Tennessee's roster not named uh, Nico? The second most important player before we get into how important Nico is. Can John, I go ahead, Caleb. No, you go. Okay. Ahead. I mean, I would. <laughs> I, I would honestly just probably say James. I, I would say James Pierce just because he just because of his raw ability, I but. I do feel like you could probably replace James Pierce more than other positions. So I'm going to go Cooper Mays, actually. It's Cooper. It's Cooper. Okay, John, do you have a, a report? Yeah, I, I would uh, – <laughs> yeah, I'll turn in my report. I'll go with uh, Dylan Sampson running back. Okay, I like that. So we'll go John, Sam- do you think – who could block better right now, you at your age right now, or Dylan Sampson? Who's a better blocker in football? Well, you to point out his age all the time. By the way, we're going to be looking about it back at all time SEC quarterbacks. And John, no, Gibbs you're going to know what you're going to be looking at is is an age discrimination suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, I'm saying I would take. Yeah, I would, and I, would, I mean that very seriously. Okay, John, I think Nico is safer if you're lining up next to him to pick up a blitz than if Dylan Sampson is lining up next to him to pick up a blitz. No, he's not because I would run the other way. Not no well, wait a minute now. I can't run, so I would probably just point to Nico if I were back there blocking for him. So don't come by me. He's over here. Good luck with that. You're sure that's not what Dylan Sampson did? I know. There's there's like a low light play from the bowl game. And you know, it's it's sometimes hard to pick up like who was supposed to block whom, but on that play with a linebacker coming headstrong up the middle. And Dylan Sampson standing there, knowing, I assume, that his quarterback was behind him. You might have just you might want to just fall down to impede the guy's rush, but he just he just took off, man. He'll get it. I got I'm receiving the ball on this play. I'm not blocking anybody. Yeah, he's got to improve his blocking. I, I agree with that. And that's I would like to think he will. And uh, no, John, the, the the running back. Uh, John loves it when I get too deep into football talk, like X's and O's. The running. I, I guess back, I know where we're going then. <laughs> the the running back is ninety nine percent of the time not responsible for a gap. He's usually more of a C gap player. So that probably wasn't Dylan Sampson's fault. The play you're talking about. Okay, then it's all good, Caleb. I don't know why I even started that mess. Yeah, he was just oh doing God. his assignment. Okay, just following orders, boss. Oh, okay. Our, our quarterback is just lying there on the field now. This is, well, not my job. Uh, Fallout Zone, who just recently joined the program, will fit right along with me and John, who tend to speak in hyperbole. 
he has to be the worst blocking running back ever. That's a lot of dudes over the years, right? Yeah, that's yeah. But I'm basing that on I really haven't noticed his blocking previously or oh, lack yeah. of. Well, yeah, that's what oh, I had. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, Caleb yeah. started it, and then I like took my eye but, and, and and had it go over to him, and Caleb nailed it. He was right; he was first. Well, okay, but look at it another way. He does have running skills, and you get a quarterback like Nico who can also run. And to me, Dylan Sampson is a big play guy. He can he can go fifty for you. And and that's what Tennessee didn't really have this uh, in 2023. And it needs that at wide receiver too. But yeah, what's made when when Josh Heupel's offense is function at functioned at its highest level, it's making these big plays, highlight plays. I think Dylan Sampson has that kind of potential. I'd like to see Tennessee using some as a receiver. I think he could. That would he could. Why are you laughing, Dave? Oh, I, the stupid message were threw me off. I think you're doing a great job. Keep going. It, the oh, I, I, I just saw it. He pretty Samson can't he, block. Seldon has no vision. What the H are we going to do? Well, we just you just put Nico back there and center it to him and let him throw the ball yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Okay, oh, I, I apologize for bringing up Dylan Sampson in that segment. Okay. I didn't All mean right. for the guy to get bashed. <laughs> Peyton Lewis time could be an answer. It certainly could fall out of zone. Let's go ahead and get rolling. So on the poll question, uh, we have these options. Who is the second most important ball behind Nico this season? James Pierce, Brew McCoy, Cooper Mays, Dylan Sampson. So please go vote on that. If you have somebody else, I can always chuck that one and do a new one. I'm not opposed to changing poll questions. I mean, good gracious, it's not like we're talking about the end of the world or anything. <laughs> Uh, oh, did you who, did you hear who Dave had as his poll question in November of 2023? Oh, yeah, I can remember just what I was doing at that time. Uh-huh. I was watching right. my car. Go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. It is time for whoops. It is time for today's tough question. And that is not it. That's our poll question. Our poll question is on our YouTube page. And that's brought to you by our great friends at the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. That is the Hemp House. And now we get to today's tough question. And that's brought to you by our good friends at Andy Mason Real Estate. Today's tough question, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right. Let me ask John first, because I know where Caleb stands on this. Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. How tied is Nico, or how tied is Josh Heupel to Nico? Does Nico Ia Male Abba have to be great, not just good, for Heupel to succeed? John, I'll ask you that question brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Well, I think he needs to be very good, um, for the next few years, certainly, but I don't think Josh Heupel's overall tenure at Tennessee necessarily will be defined by Nico. 
go back to a different era 30 years ago, in fact, when uh, Philip Fulmer had Peyton Manning for four years. And how many national titles did he win with one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football? Do you remember, Dave? I do. How many I do national remember titles did, did he win uh, with Peyton? Goose. But he pulled out an SEC title in the second Ooh, half. Yeah, beat that, beat that awesome Auburn team. I remember that game. <laughs> it was great. Nice job. Uh, so he he won the next year with T. Martin. So the same thing, maybe after Nico leaves, maybe Josh Heupel could have another a good quarterback and, and do even better. But I, I think – where you look at it is the offense. If the offense doesn't flourish with Nico and Heupel together, then I think people will wonder because he's seemingly the ideal QB for this system. We saw Hendon Hooker was pretty close to the same thing, and we saw what he did in those two seasons. I mean, Tennessee – if Nico's as good as we expect him to be, and we, th- I, I think he's going to be great. Uh, so Tennessee should be in one of the top five scoring teams in the country. So that doesn't do anything for the defense. But I think if Tennessee struggles at all offensively, it will raise questions about Josh Heupel's system and his quarterback management. Okay. Uh, Caleb, your stance on this, I know you feel pretty strongly about Nico has to have success, right? Big, yes. big success. Yes. And to address John's comment about Peyton Manning, yes, he didn't win a national title, but I don't think anybody would deny that Peyton Manning was great when he played at Tennessee. I mean, uh, I mean that 97 season is still to me the greatest season a quarterback has ever had in Tennessee history that last year he had. And I don't think Tennessee... I don't think Tennessee wins the national title in 1998 if Peyton Manning doesn't lay the foundation by being great for the years before, which helped them in recruiting and so many other things. Um, Wait a second. You're getting a little soft on me, Caleb, because, okay, I mean, what we were talking about yesterday was that you thought Tennessee was loading up for 2024. You didn't say that Nico has to be really good to elevate the program for a guy like T. Martin to come hey, in. Hey, you haven't you haven't let me finish. Okay, well, you I haven't let me finish. When you, when you, for the when record, you start, when you start soft, sometimes it stays soft, and I get concerned. For the record, yeah. Peyton was as guys. First off, relative to the time, Peyton was as great as you could possibly be in the '90s. It was not his fault that John Chavis could not figure out Steve Spurrier's fun and gun and gave up 62 points to Florida. In, in in a rain-soaked swamp game, okay? That's not on Peyton at all. And so Peyton was as great as you could possibly be at Tennessee. Nico has to be as great as possible in Josh Heupel's system. Now, here's where I'm going. Soft. Josh Heupel's system. Soft. Josh Heupel's you, system. You were telling me that you Wait a minute. Home. I have to finish my point. <laughs> Josh Heupel's system is so quarterback-friendly, so built around the greatness of the quarterback that, yeah, Nico should be putting up gaudy stats if he's great, and he needs to win a Heisman. I'm just going to say it. He needs to win a Heisman. I don't if, – if 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 Josh Heupel can't win with Nico, he can't win with anybody because this is the best possible quarterback you could ever have for your system. And also, he's loading up for 2024, so if Nico's not great, Heupel's recruiting is going to really suffer after 2024. And so he has to be great. He absolutely has to be superb. He has to be 
we have to be debating whether or not Nico or Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback in Tennessee history after Nico's gone. John, <laughs> John, care to retort? I'm your huckleberry. Well, I first of all, I want to compliment you on coaching Caleb up. Thanks. He he got stronger as he went along. He did. He start. Yeah. And he got yeah. Much better. Uh, yeah. I um, no, I agree with that that part of it that you that this offense. This is the guy Tennessee handpicked. I mean, invested a lot in. Okay, we don't know exactly how many pennies went into. Uh, Nico's piggy bank. Do they still have piggy banks? Does anybody have a piggy bank now? I mean, do they still have pennies? You know, I dropped one the other day and thought, oh, I'll pick this up. No, there's a greater chance of something going wrong if <laughs> I reach down to pick the penny up. I'd do the yeah. same thing with quarters, actually, but we'll take that up another day. No, I just think Nico. By the I way, mean, Travis just... says if you show up soft, you're just wasting hookers' time. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Travis for the win. Travis for the win. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> it's got me laughing so hard. I'm choked up. All right, go ahead. Well, no, and, and, and Mark points out he has to be hooker good. I mean, would that be okay with you, Caleb, if he puts up the same numbers as Hendon Hooker did? No, you want more. No. Uh, and and he, was, Hendon Hooker in, was Hendon Hooker in New York? Because he wasn't. But he would have. He would have been. Yeah, yeah, but – the Heisman, man, that's that's so subjective. I mean, I've seen pretty good quarterbacks not make it there. But when you're talking about four guys, and there'll probably be at least three, maybe four quarterbacks, yeah, you would expect Nico to be there. So okay, let's let's talk realistic baseline because um Col- uh Colton says, uh, Mark, you're right, and Nico needs to be hooker good. Dave Hooker good. Nailed that one. All right. So what's baseline? What's what's the worst, Caleb, that let's forget about individual awards, like John said, because that is subjective. And the husband, I think even John would agree, has lost a lot of its luster over the past uh, since John's been uh, uh, voting on it way back in 1872. So yeah, I actually uh, voted for Johnny Majors, by the way. He didn't win the award. I thought did you really? Yeah, it was really ridiculous. I, well, in truth, I, I voted for Jim Brown. Oh, okay. But major second. Jim Brown should have won that Heisman even over majors, to be honest. If we look I know he numbers. should have. I, I yeah. well, well, If you watched him play, how could you not? Think? And then I'm trying to think. And then I went off the uh, beaten path and picked uh, Doug, I voted for Doug Adkins, uh, a defensive lineman, an incredible athlete when he was at Tennessee for the Heisman. Okay. Uh, okay. Going further back. I'm um, stop. Stop. I'm like a red range. Cop. Ever hear a red yeah. range? I'm oh, like a tra- I'm like a traffic cop when happy hour just let out. Okay, so I'm gonna be traffic cop here. All right, Caleb. What's a baseline? What does Nico have to be have to do to be elite enough where you think he not only um, held Josh Heupel's career up but boosted it to the next level? What does he have? I mean, team wise, team wise, not no no individual award. Oh, team wise, he's got to get Tennessee into the college football playoff. I'm going to say both years, and I think he needs to get to the semifinals at least one year. And even if he does that, I'll consider it a disappointment. He's a disappointment if he doesn't get a national title. But I will say <laughs> he at least has to be in the playoff two years, and in in the final four once. And actually, Elias just pointed it out, John. I'm, I've said this. 
Nico to Josh Heupel is just like Cam Newton to Gus Malzahn, except Josh Heupel has him for two years, not one. And so this would be like if Gus Malzahn had Cam Newton for two years and not one. And I mean, uh, I'm that high. And, uh, well, and, and hmm? No, I'll let you finish. I'm not Dave. Go ahead. And okay, on, on the precipice, the only thing I would, um, I, I think you and Dave disagree on this. So I actually wanted to bring you down this rabbit hole a little bit because it is relevant to our topic. But um, because I think Dave thought Danny Warfield would, just didn't matter and that any quarterback could have run Steve Spurrier's system in that time. But from my understanding of retroactively reading press clippings and things like that from the mid-90s, wasn't Steve Spurrier's tenure at Florida pretty much tied to Danny Warfel being as great as he was when he took over in 93? He needed Danny Warfel to be that good for him to become the legend he was, didn't he? I think Spurrier would have perhaps become a legend anyway because his system was so good and his offensive system was kind of a uh, defenses weren't ready for it in the SEC. He was ahead of the curve. But I think any offensive-minded coach has to find the perfect guy. In a best-case scenario, has to find the perfect guy for his system. He may not be the number one draft pick, but he may be the number one pick for your system, and that's what Steve Spurrier found in Danny Werfel. Okay. And it was it was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady at the college level, really. 20 words, baseline, Caleb. What does Nico have to do to bolster <laughs> Josh Heupel's success? He has I already to, told you. He has to make the college football playoff twice. SEC? I don't think the, the SEC championship matters anymore because with the no divisions and 16 teams, I don't care yeah. about winning the SEC. I, John, I agree. Yeah, John, John agrees. Okay, that surprises me. It still means something to me, but maybe I'm just nostalgic. All right. Uh, brought to you by Andy Mason. Today's tough question. What does Nico have to do in order to bolster Josh Heupel's success? So we'll get John's answer. Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. With over 40 years of combined experience, best service, best prices in the biz. AndyMasonRealEstate.com for all of your real estate needs. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. All right, John, so what does he have to do for you? SEC level, which apparently you, you don't carry a lot of weight in, or college football playoff. Does he have to make it two times for this to be considered a success? Well, if you go back, again, using Peyton Manning as an example, he he won one SEC championship. So if, uh, if you could say if Nico made the playoff once, but the playoff now with 12 teams, no, I, I agree with Caleb on that. He needs to make the playoff both years. He's at his quarterback at Tennessee. I, right. I agree with. I mean, I think Tennessee needs to be always in really competing for the uh, one of those playoff spots. I mean, if it's not, then the season just isn't a success. So yeah, I think that's it. And, and you're talking strictly about team goals uh, as opposed to what he has to do individually, right? That, yes, I think we're assuming he's. Lead, he's at the helm, um, and then that would be a good reflection on him and probably the Heisman consideration, those sorts of things would fall into place, right? Yeah, I mean, those – I think the – yeah, the Heisman, if they make the playoffs and Nico's as good as we think he'll be, I think we're all pretty much on the same page there, then, yeah, he will He will be one of the finalists at, at, New, York, at New York. So uh, that's, you know, that, I, I guess – Things could happen to prevent this. I mean, he could miss a key game with an injury. 
things of that nature that might. But when I look at UT schedule, when I look what it did in the portal, when I look what ha- it has returning, uh, it should be in the playoff next season or the season isn't successful. And so obviously Nico would have to be really good and would have to be really durable for that to happen. Okay. And now. to point out, I just want to throw it aside quick because we talk about playoff. Even if it was a four-team playoff, if the four-team playoff existed in the 90s, Peyton would have gotten there in 95 and 97 into a four-team playoff. Yep. So he would have gotten three. there two or three years. Okay. Uh, just for the record, if, if I am the traffic director after Happy <laughs> Hour lets out, Caleb got there when Happy Hour opened because we're all over the place. All right, here we go. That's crazy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so uh, that leads us to this. Where do you think Nico will rank amongst quarterbacks in the SEC? Because I'm talking to John, and this is the this is why this is what we wanted to build it off the hook sports. Get some perspective from John, your perspective from Jimmy Himes, different people, Ron Slay. John can provide a lot of perspective on this because I'm talking to John prepping for the show last night, and uh, Caleb and I were discussing this at our 3:45 a.m. production meeting. And, John, you think this could be the best SEC class ever in terms of quarterbacks. Now, how much of that's Oklahoma and Texas coming in, we'd have to factor that in. But uh, Nico could actually be, what, the fourth or fifth best quarterback in year number one? And that wouldn't be horrible, Nico. John, how good can this SEC class be? It's kind of scary good. Well, it was great two years ago when you look at the draft, but I'm talking about not just not just the best quarterbacks, the overall depth of talent at quarterback. Uh, I mean, I think even Vanderbilt, after losing three quarterbacks to the portal, will be better at quarterback because of transfers. Uh, so you go down way deep into the SEC and you can find a competent quarterback. I can't think of many many seasons where that was the case too many seasons there were going to be some teams you played and you know (laughs) that quarterback can't beat us you just knew that uh so and see I think Nico he's a major factor in this right now 
the only quarterback I would rank ahead of Nico is Carson Beck at Georgia. Uh, I know these other guys have more experience. I know what Jalen Milrow did last year. I know what Quinn Ewers did. I think Nico will be better than those guys. That's how high I am, out, I am on Nico. I, I go back a few years when uh, Johnny Manziel was at Texas A&M. He redshirted, as Nico did, redshirted as a true freshman, went out to spring, and he was supposed to be the backup quarterback. Won the job, won the high school, had one of the greatest seasons in SEC history. I think Nico has that kind of potential, wow. and that's why I have him so high. Yes, that's that's pretty strong. All right, so Caleb, I know you're as high on Nico as well, but would anybody be surprised if he were at the end of the day in quarterback ranking rank third or lower, considering the depth that John talked about at the quarterback position? And this is brought to you by uh, Apex Apparel. Man, they do so much more than just apparel. One-stop shop for all your brand supply products. I know we got a lot of business owners out there. I've ordered my uh off the hook sports polos and it's coming and uh, caleb's going to be wearing it. it's going to be awesome uh not just clothes design brand market your way mugs i mean they've got screen printing promo products embroidery signage uh call tyler 865-919-3001 call tyler 865-919-3001 giveaways uniforms needed for your business spirit wear they do that for a school or group apex apparel call tyler 865-919-3001 or go to order, uh, I'm sorry, yourapexapparel.com, yourapexapparel.com. 15% off your first order if you mention Off the Hook Sports. Caleb, there's a darn good chance with the depth of quarterbacks in the SEC that Nico could rank third and Tennessee could still have a great season. Could you see that possibly unfolding? I mean, you set the level of that with the level of expectations I have for Nico. I, I don't, I still think it's a disappointment if he's third. Now, does that mean that like I'm with John that, okay, potentially Carson Beck could maybe be a better NFL quarterback than Nico Iamaliava. There's this guy down in Texas that whenever he becomes a starter in Arch Manning, he could be a better NFL quarterback than Nico Iamaliava. But in terms of playing in college in the right system and with your talent, I, 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 I'll just be honest. I think it's a disappointment if Nico Iamaliava doesn't have better numbers than Carson Beck next year. I do. I think it's a wild disappointment. Um, well, and, let's, ask, and so, let's ask Peyton Manning what he thinks about because he, you, and I disagree with that. <clears throat> what about third for Nico, Peyton? They're like, that is total bullshit. Easy on the language. Come on. I agree with Peyton. It should not be third. It should. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's a yeah, disappointment I, if he's not the best. Let me go ahead and tell you he's going to be number one because the college quarterback ranking – factors in yardage more than the nfl does so he might not be number one if it were you if we were using the nfl uh quarterback ranking but in college the way it factors it in that's why hendon hooker was so high he's going to be number one and one two or three in the nation um I, if i had to take the bet as to john number one in the sec top three in the nation or not which would you take yeah i Carson Beck won't have extraordinary stats. Right. I just really like him as a quarterback. The first thing I look for, and this kind of is NFL-related, is accuracy. Uh, coolness under pressure. Uh, running ability. Carson Beck's a better runner than people gave him credit for before the start of last season. He can make plays when he has to. Uh 
so I think in overall ability that Nico will eventually be the best quarterback in the SEC. But when I look at next season, starting out the season, Nico's first year as a starter, I'd probably rather have Carson Beck. Say I'm George, say I'm George and I've got George's talent. Probably rather have Carson Beck. Um, but I mean, see, I'm putting, I mean, to be second in this group, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of Heisman Trophy possible candidates. I mean, Jackson Dart at Ole Miss has gotten better each year. If he gets better his third season, then he's in the Heisman conversation. A lot of talent around him. Uh, Jalen Milrow, I think, was six in the vote this past season. An incredible athlete has to and throws a deep ball well. Those kind of guys, and I think I think Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma will be really good. But I do agree with I do agree with Caleb on this. When you talk about a marriage between quarterback and system, it's hard to beat this one. This is just this is the quarterback that you would you would draw up if you were planning, okay, who do I want to run this offense? Here's the guy I would want. I wouldn't want Carson back for this offense. I would want Nico. Um, Yama La- I let me practice this. Nico Yama Leava. Is that close? Leava. Iama Leava. Iama Leava. That's not it. But uh, anyway. Ma- yeah, we'll just move on. But it's you can keep practicing on your own time. Um, <laughs> uh, Caleb, does this open it up that this is the deepest quarterback class maybe we've ever seen in the SEC for a potential upset? Maybe not for Georgia, who's the elite program in the nation. They're not going to roll into Vanderbilt or wherever that game is this year and goes, man, that Clark Lee, he's got him one heck of a signal caller. But for a Tennessee who's trying to break into that next level, is it's is is it a little bit scarier that every team is going to have potentially good to really good quarterback play? Well, okay, so I was thinking about this too because John's right. I mean, it's very deep, and when you bring in raw numbers, the league has sixteen teams deep. So now there's just naturally more because you're right. There's I, John and I both agree that LSU has a better quarterback who's stepping in this year than their Heisman winner last year. Honestly, they're about to have an upgrade, which is crazy to think about. And then you have Carson Beck, you have Nico Iamaliava, you have Quinn Ewers. Um, so I, you have you do have Jalen Milrow. I don't know what's going to happen at Alabama with Kalen DeVore down there. but And Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. I mean, I'm trying to not miss guys, but it is a loaded class. Is it the low, most loaded in history? So, you know, one of the debates where we go, it's like, other classes were maybe top heavy, but not as deep. So, for instance, you know, the 2019 class, it had Joe Burrow, Tua Tagalavoya, and Jake Fromm with Mac Jones as a backup. That was a top heavy elite class. Uh, one I want to throw out to you guys, you're going to find this funny. You know, in 2002, uh, there were, I think, six draft picks that started in the SEC that year. One of them played in the Super Bowl in Rex Grossman, and another one won two Super Bowls in Eli Manning. And you also had Jason Campbell, who started in the NFL. You had Jared Lorenzen and Matt Mock. Matt Mock was drafted. David Green was there, the all-time winningest quarterback in the SEC. And Matt Jones at Arkansas. So I would say maybe 2002 was a deeper class in this class. And Casey Clawson was in that class in 2002 also. Well, you're talking about a class, though, that John did provide some of those up 
upsets. Uh, Jared Lorenzen is, a, I think, a great example of like a mid-level. Actually, I thought he was a really good college quarterback. But you're talking about a guy who's at Kentucky who wouldn't typically be at Kentucky. I know we all have different feelings on Levis, but that's the type of quarterback in a Lorenzen that can cause an upset and flip the SEC on its head a little bit. And I don't think Tennessee's roster is to the point of Georgia's where they don't have to worry about those potential upsets if you have good quarterback play uh, each and every week. John, your thoughts on that brought to you by Don Self, your state farm agent. Customer service still matters. Uh, Don Self has been in business for over 40 years. I know everybody wants the cheapest insurance rates, but what happens when you file that claim? DonSelf.net, DonSelf.net in the greater Chattanooga area, 423-396-2126, 423-396-2126, or DonSelf.net right down there in the description box. So, um, yeah, John, that would that would be pretty brutal for Tennessee, as high as their hopes are, to suffer some sort of um, – upset loss because the sec quarterback class is so good and somebody plays really well at a high level um but i think anytime you have competent quarterback play it probably gives you a shot to win more so than not right oh i agree and go back uh a couple of years ago uh with tennessee in 2022 when it ascended to number one in the college football playoff rankings the first one it was really rolling but even when it was rolling, really good quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young at Alabama, they didn't beat Tennessee, but my gosh, <laughs> they did everything they could to that defense. They just destroyed Tennessee's defense. Really good quarterbacks that year had their way with Tennessee. And uh, so you could say, I think Tennessee's uh, – secondary and its pass defense will be much better this year. It's brought in three transfers who I would imagine would they need to be able to start. That's for sure. If they don't, that's a red flag. So that will help them. But that's a great point you made. When you have a quarterback, you have a chance. When you have a guy that can make plays, uh, you got a chance. And, and I think most of the teams on Tennessee schedule – even outside the league with NC State, with Grayson McCall now yep. there. He's a he's a playmaker. He can create stuff. Those are the kind of guys you really need to pull off upsets, I think. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yep. Uh, do this for me. Take one second. Click that thumbs up button. Make sure you hit that. We bring more people into the channel. If you haven't subscribed at this point, we would greatly appreciate that. Turn your notifications on whatever platform you may be on please leave us a rating on those audio platforms and here comes the difficult question the challenging question i want to start with john and i want to go to caleb because john's got some more history on us is this the deepest class that you've ever seen in terms of quarterbacks in the sec yeah, it's hard to say it's the deepest, but right now I'll look at it that way. Unless, but one thing, you got more teams. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma both bring competent quarterbacks into this league. Guys who are, who I think will be drafted. I, I mean, I think we probably John, we may have had the same conversation when uh Arkansas and South Carolina came in. It, I call it the Tannehill effect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Steve Daniel rocking the mullet. I don't know if Caleb remembers that. So John says probably. I say absolutely because of the extra teams and the and I, be able to transfer. Yeah, that 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 certainly makes that. I, I can't remember all the guys, but I go back to the early seventies. I guess seventy one. Pat Sullivan was at Auburn. He won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you had Burt Jones at LSU, who became a great NFL quarterback. You had Archie Manning at Ole Miss. Uh, Terry Davis was at Alabama, and he was a great quarterback for that system. Alabama was running the wishbone at the time. Uh, Florida had John Reeves, who played in the NFL. Uh, Kentucky, I can't remember who the quarterback was, but I'm thinking he was he was pretty good. Um, but yeah, with, with the extra teams, oh, it's a great shot of Tannehill. What I, what I remember about Tannehill is when he would make a good play, he would do the baseball thing and hit an imaginary home run. Remember that day? I do. There's nothing like an imaginary home run. I know. (laughs) All right. So, so let me, let me get Caleb's take best SEC quarterback class ever. I say you got it. I don't think it's close. You got to go relative, and I, I actually go relative to like I would go like percentage of teams. So how? So that's why I, if you go percentage, you're right. You can you can make it seem a little deeper. Otherwise, I'm still going the 2002 class because it had a bunch of good quarterbacks. I mean, Jason Campbell, Rex Grossman, and Eli Manning all started NFL games. Matt Mock, Jared Lorenzen, and Matt Jones and David Green were all dangerous. And Casey Clawson was in that class. And so, again, uh, you have two Super Bowl starters and a two-time Super Bowl MVP in the 2002 um, SEC quarterback class, even though, again, no Hall of Famers in that class. I'm sorry, Eli Manning outside of the two Super Bowls is not a Hall of Fame caliber NFL quarterback, but he does have two Super Bowls. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Is Tennessee getting enough postseason production? Okay. We'll discuss because the balls are having, or they're they're fifth, I believe, in the Director's Cup, but uh, the postseason production has not been there, the postseason success uh so what is going on there we'll ask the question uh here in just 30 seconds uh the show represented by banks and jones banks and jones well it's because they're tennessee's trial attorney you can play to win with banks and jones because they'll go to trial you've heard of other lawyers they say they'll go to trial and fight for you they won't They just want to settle. That's the easiest way out. Well, that's not Banks and Jones, led by T. Scott Jones. They won't settle. They'll go to trial for you. Tennessee's trial attorney. They play to win. Truly, Tennessee's trial attorney when it comes to criminal defense or personal injury. Why settle? Banks and Jones. T. Scott Jones. Banksandjones.com. All right, so let me ask you guys this question. Uh, we thank Banks and Jones, uh, the show represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. We've got ticket sales exploding. We've got very little postseason production. Are Tennessee fans, we've all been in negotiations, whether it's a house or whatever, and typically we walk away from those negotiations saying, man, I got a heck of a deal, or man, I got the short end of the stick. To this point, are Tennessee fans getting a little bit of the short end of the stick because of postseason production. Uh, John, I'm just going to begin with you, and then I'd like to get Caleb's take um, because 
haven't made a lot of runs in March. Uh, haven't been, um, I think there's been pretty good postseason success in football, but it had been for championships. Your thoughts, John, is Tennessee uh, getting enough in return for their exploding ticket sales? Not at all. Uh, you look, I mean, Tennessee's really going against the grain here. A lot of a lot of schools are having problems uh, filling up their arenas, their stadium. Tennessee is doing great at that, and it speaks to the fan base here. It's just an incredible fan base. The longer I'm here, the more I realize that. Um, but Tennessee, I, I think it's up when you have that going for you, and that is that's a big positive when you have that going for your program. I think it. I think you have to have really high moments in whatever program you're talking about. Doesn't matter. That should be the expectations. Uh, Rick Barnes in men's basketball uh, has won so many games. He's had. A, he's got a great program going. Uh, he recruits pretty good people. It seems like his players don't get into trouble. Um, He's, he's had high moments, not in the postseason, but he's won regular season. He's been number one. He's he's won the SEC tournament. So just to complete it, he needs to he needs to have a, a significant run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, women's basketball program is going downhill right now. That's that's a different story. Uh, football wise, I. I the program, the results are nowhere near what the fan support is. It's not close. I mean, yeah, you you win some mid-level bowl. That's fine. And the program is much better off under Josh Heupel in a, than it has been. But Tennessee fans, for all their support, for all their passion, for all the money they spend, when they look around the SEC – you know, they would have, like to have those moments that Georgia does or Alabama does or LSU does. And it that's been lacking. Yeah, the football program's gotten better, and maybe it'll keep getting better. It needs to. But the fans deserve more than what they're getting. Okay. Well, let me ask the message before I ask Caleb. Let me just ask you, do you feel like you're getting enough right now? It, it seems like people are – are buying tickets in expectations. Uh, they're buying tickets and they're supporting the team and NIL and all these checks and all these buildings that seem to go up like they're just insane. And it seems to be off hope. Um, and I think the hope's well-placed, Caleb. But really, when you look at what you paid for to this point and what you've gotten, you got a Big pile of orange junk. <laughs> okay, I'm going to push back on you guys a little bit on this whole narrative because yeah, has Tennessee come up short in the postseason? Yes, particularly in basketball and baseball. I don't. I don't think any Tennessee. I think you ask any Tennessee fan that has gone to a football game over the past three years that they were following Tennessee football with when Josh Heupel took over, they are beyond pleasantly surprised at where the program is right now. I think they're shocked at how much better it is and where they thought it would be. When you pay, let's take this broad macro idea for a minute. Sports, by its very nature, is theater and entertainment, right? The entertainment is not the guarantee of a national championship. The entertainment is the hope that you will be in the running for some championships. Well, Tennessee has reached a level, and we'll, we'll talk about women's basketball in a minute because that's a different story, but in most other sports, they've reached a level where they are 
you do get to watch your team compete. This isn't the 2010s where, you know, Jimmy Haslam strong arms a hire of Derek Dooley and the program just totally falls apart for three years. And so it's not that this isn't, I mean, I can, this isn't the Pittsburgh pirates in major league baseball where owners are begging their fans to come up to the team to show up for the games and they're not putting a product on the floor. This isn't, guys, I'll just tell you, I grew up in Memphis when the Tigers would not invest in their football program, and the Memphis Athletic Director at the time said, Tiger fans need to show up for the games because we have a great pitch to sell. We have a good airport here in Memphis, and that's going to get recruits. I'm like, really? You're going to get recruits from the airport? Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> I like that. He, he legitimately said that. And like, and then yeah. through the when they do the whole, I'm, just thinking of those, I'm also thinking of the nincompoops, Caleb, that were running around Tyson McGee Airport trying to get a picture of John Gruden, who was three time zones away. <laughs> but what I, where I was getting at was you see owners all, and athletic directors across the country say you should support our team even when they're losing. And that's code for you should buy my product even if it sucks, which no other business gets away with that. Tennessee isn't doing everything they can to put a good product on the field and on the court. Have they delivered national titles? No. Are they giving the fans the hope and the entertainment value that comes with being a sports fan? I think that's an unequivocal yes. I mean, I, I don't even think it's close. They, it is, it, it's, an, it's an absolute yes that the fans are, they are being entertained. And sports at its very root is entertainment. All right. I, 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 I don't think they're... I don't think Tennessee's getting enough in return for what they're spending, but I'm not <clears throat> ready to throw up the emergency flag just yet. Uh, whatever it is, emergency flag is red flag, I guess. Um, I'm not ready to throw that up just yet, John, because Tennessee's I, I really believed in my heart of hearts. And I didn't share this because I don't like sharing as much speculation as what I know. And I, well, I did share it, Caleb. Um, but I thought Tennessee, there was a good chance they would lay an egg in the Citrus Bowl. I really did. And I still think there's a good chance had they been selected at the Gator Bowl, they would have laid an egg. But I think they got Citrus. They got excited because it was a better bowl. It was a great matchup for them. And they played really well. But now you have to say that Tennessee's postseason in football hasn't been championship level. But the Orange Bowl and the Citrus Bowl, given the what they do in the bowl settings and what they do for fans and players. Those are pretty good. Dave. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee has as much fan support as there any program in the country. I believe it has a great NIL package. It's strategically located for recruiting close to a lot of metropolitan areas. Tennessee fans deserve better than what they're getting. I don't see how there's any question about that. I mean, well, yeah. are we taking in, but wait, John, are we taking into account that there was a decade of just total fiasco-ness or, or are we including that? Well, no, I know it was horrible. I'm not saying, I, yeah, it was horrible, but this, this shouldn't be the peak that, okay, we're, we're great. Now we make the NCAA tournament in men's and women's basketball. We make the NCAA tournament in baseball. Uh, we go to Florida bowls in football. No, because Tennessee fans look around the SEC and see what ha what happens elsewhere. They say Ole Miss win a national championship in baseball in 22. They see South Carolina's women's program become the most dominant in the country. You, you look at Alabama and Georgia, 
every year they're competing. They're in the running for a national title, and they both won multiple national titles uh, recently. So that that's what they're looking at. Tennessee needs to d- deliver some big moments in the postseason. I, I mean, are they are fans going to sit around 10 years from now and talk about, man, I'll never forget that team that just took apart Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. That is as good as it or, gets. Or even worse, man, I'll never forget how excited I got about Nico. Period. End of sentence. New graph. <laughs> I mean, if that's right, Caleb, I mean, if that's the end all be all just getting excited, then Tennessee's fallen woefully short. Yes, I will join in. I will join in unison with John if Tennessee doesn't do what I expect them to do with Nico over the next two years. But I'm at this point. Either of you guys ever bought a fixer upper for a house before? Um, Fixer. No, but I always worked on it. I always saw vision. Okay. You get a fixer upper for a house. Wait a minute. Have we ever seen John? How much flooring have you laid in your life? (laughs) (laughs) I tear houses down. I don't build them up. That's right. John gets big mean dogs who just tear tear apart of a house. Go ahead, Kim. Well, for yeah, my idea of fixing up a house is changing a light bulb. Okay. Well, for um for those of us who are millennials and Gen Zers, we are being, you know, the housing market has exploded and our wages haven't kept up. So we have to, we can only afford fixer uppers in life nowadays. And I think it was Justin Timberlake that said, cry me a river. Go ahead, Caleb. Okay. Well, that's a great song, by the way. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is that you buy a fixer upper, you buy it for what it can be. So you don't get your money's worth when you first get the house. But if three years down the road, you've made the progress you hope you made and you've gone beyond, you've added a bathroom here, you've added a couple of bedrooms, you've really increased the equity in the house, it may not be exactly the house you want at the moment. So you're not satisfied, but you say, at the moment, I'm getting my money's worth for this house because I've put in what I wanted to put in by this point. And I would say that Tennessee football, when Josh Heupel took over, was a fixer-upper. By any reasonable definition, if there was a fixer-upper, that was a borderline condemned building, okay? That, like, the government, that that building inspectors would have come in and said, you need to tear this down, okay? So it was a blatant fixer-upper of a program. Three years in, yeah, they don't have the bathroom you want. You don't have your luxury tub or something like that, but you, it's, it's at a level where, okay, you've gotten your value out of it if you've invested and followed the program from when Josh Heupel took over, And I don't think we can blame the current Tennessee administration, Danny White, Josh Heupel, those people, because people like, going to call them out, Philip Fulmer, and people like John Curry, and people like Dave Hart, and people like the boosters, Jimmy Haslam, uh, decided to run the program into the ground for 10 years. Actually, 15 years. Well, I'm talking big picture here. I'm just talking long term. I, I know Tennessee fans have suffered through some horrible coaches in multiple sports but still you you can't i mean when i mean they've what they've been remarkably patient yeah josh heupel has made things better rick barnes has made things better um bruce pearl made things better people have made things better but still when you look at the bottom line what sports is all about is lifting that trophy. At some point, you want to lift up that trophy. No, it's not, John. And let me tell you why. It's 
it is exceeding expectations. I've learned through this decade that Tennessee has had, it's about exceeding expectations. So the key is whether you're Alabama, who went through the the all the perverted mic, mics that they had, and then another mic that was the son of a coach. What they did is they just took a big red stick and beat the hell out of expectations, beat it to the ground. So at that point, one title is great. That's what's happened to Tennessee. You just beat expectations to the ground, and now everybody's happy, incredibly happy with a 10-win season in 2022, which they should have been. But I think Tennessee fans would be okay with what they've had over the past three years for another three years. Do you think Tennessee fans are happy about the last season in football? They shouldn't be. I, but I think that I think they're more okay. Caleb, do you think they're more okay with it than they should be? I do. No, I think they always expected this to be a transition year. So I I don't think they're happy about it. They're not happy about it, but they're understanding about it to say that that was somewhat of a transition year because everybody knew that Hypel and everybody was all in on it. I've been saying, Dave, John, Dave will back me on this. Since I came on the show, I said everything has been about 2024 for Tennessee and Josh Hypel. Have I not, Dave? Okay, but I would argue, John, that a program shouldn't be about loading up for one season. It should be a championship. A great program should be a championship contender every year, and they would have been that last year if they played Nico instead of Joe Milton. Yeah, both are fair points. I'm still, in keeping with this subject, is to me, for all the fan support Tennessee gets – it deserves better. It deserves it deserves somebody lifting up that trophy. Agreed. I mean, but guys, okay. John, they've won the championship of life, don't you know? Yes, agreed. <laughs> yeah, John, because they have players with five star hearts. John, yeah. um, we're, we're getting you into overtime, but I'm going to keep you late. Is that okay with you? You got big plans? Oh no, Dave, nothing's going on in my life. Two minutes. Uh, John has nothing going on. So, because this next topic is an absolute hot banger, I'm excited to get into that. Uh, how low do the Lady Balls have to go to fire Kelly Harper? I sound like I was sarcastic then, but I'm, I'm dead serious because along the lines that what John said, Tennessee deserves better. You got to start with fixing Lady Balls. This is an absolute fiasco. Two minutes off the exports. Sand and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, I got you. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. 
with the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs, presented by Off the Hook Sports. Be sure to mention Off the Hook Sports and get $500 off the spa of your choice. They've got the showroom right there at Athens. All right, how low do the Lady Vols have to go to fire Kelly Harper? Let's uh, jump into that right now. And it is our topic for four downs brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. So let me start you off with this. We're going to hop in the hot tub with Cooper Mays. Coop, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Yeah, that's right. And uh, John, are you comfortable hopping in the hot tub with Cooper? (laughs) Coop here, first down. All right. Uh, how bad does Tennessee's final record have to be to be a, a pretty big strike against Kelly Harper? Because we know it's a postseason sport, but you also can go 5-24 and 24 or something like Wade Houston did, and that looks pretty darn bad. So at what point does the regular season record really hurt Kelly Harper, John? Well, I just go back to the last coach, uh, Holly Warley. Yes. I often confuse the two and call Kelly Holly. Uh, Holly was there seven years. She um, was fired. She went to the NCAA tournament every year. She went to three Elite Eights. And I thought Tennessee did need to make a change because the program was declining. And Tennessee once had the preeminent program in college women's college basketball. It obviously doesn't anymore. I don't expect the next coach to be any come anywhere near uh, matching Pat Summit. That she's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But just out of respect, what for what Pat Summit did with this program, it needs to do do more than what Kelly is delivering. I mean, it's just, uh, Dan, but see, I don't know how low it has to go. Maybe it has to lose the rest of its games because Danny White gave her a contract extension after last season. That tells me that the administration is fine if the Lady Vols make the NCAA tournament, reach the Sweet 16, which it did. I guess I look at this program differently than all the others at Tennessee. Because to me, the program is Pat Summit, and she's no longer with us. There's a statue there prominently displayed of Pat Summit to remind us what she accomplished, eight national titles, too many Final Fours to count. But just out of respect for what she built, 
I think it's incumbent on Tennessee to maintain a certain level of of competence in the sport. It's just gradually falling into nothingness. Uh, I mean, I think it will make the NCAA tournament. Well, but if it, it if it didn't make the NCAA tournament, to me, you you would have to fire. But I don't think it will. I just think it will muddle along. Ted says, uh, well said, John Adams. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Caleb, as far as a regular season record, Tennessee's 12 and 7. I think the regular season record would, if we're talking about men's basketball, because of a point you brought up yesterday, would be not making the tournament. But Tennessee, because they want them in the tournament so bad, could win 17 games and get in the tournament. So I don't know that there's really an answer to my question. Maybe it's just stupid. That's how Holly Warlick got in her last year. That Tennessee team, John probably remembers, had no business going to the NCAA tournament, but they wanted the Lady Vols in the NCAA tournament. Sure. And um, yeah, sorry, I agree. One... No, I agree, Caleb. It, it did. Tennessee is such a brand name, and so uh, with the sport, but the, the brand name, it's it's losing so much of its luster year by year. And I don't think, I really don't think the NCAA cares now if Tennessee's in the tournament. No, Ooh. they don't. But here's a, a larger maybe problem. Slip, maybe slipped at that point. That's well, strange. they they might because here's a larger problem, and this is why I don't know if Danny White will make a move. I think he will, but John, to bolster your point, I'll get to that in a minute. To bolster your point, the reason it may just be qualifying for the NCAA tournament, maybe all that matters. LSU, it came out yesterday. The women's basketball program lost seven point eight million dollars, despite all the hype behind Angel Reese and everything. There, that it's it's a it's a money pit women's basketball right now for most programs. I think Danny White is seeing that. And in an age of NIL where you have to be a little more meticulous with your dollars is thinking, is it worth investing heavily in women's basketball when you just won't get the financial return out of it? Well, that, that leads us to second down. And this, this sounds awful, but Cooper Mays here. Second down. Does he, does Danny White really care? I mean, he's a money guy. This sport, even in its heyday under Pat Summit, lost a million dollars. Is that why he signed Tennessee, uh, Tennessee's Kelly Harper up for a contract? I mean, does he really care at the end of the day, or does he just want to cover his potential losses, John? Because if you could break even, that's more money that you could spend on NIL. But you got to have it because of Title Nine. Yeah, that may be, that could be how he, he looks at it. Uh, I just have a hard time justifying why, when he gives uh, when he gives a coach an extension for making the Sweet Sixteen of the NCAA tournament, that to me tells you all you needed to know. If he would have been the co the AD when Holly Warlick was in charge, he wouldn't have fired Holly Warlick. She was doing better than Kelly is. So why? I mean. It's it's almost like I can't expect a guy that's not a Tennessee guy to understand what the Lady Balls mean to the community, and he's not a Tennessee guy. It's not a knock on him. If he wants to save money so he can spend more in NIL and get another Nico, nobody's going to complain. Uh, Caleb, do you think he look he views the Lady Balls way different than we do? I guess is the question. Possibly, but I'm just going to say that might be a good thing. I think one of the reasons the Lady Vols are struggling right now is because the Lady Vols have this idea, Lady Vol fan base has this idea of what they should be. And it's very Notre Dame and football-esque. And it's the reason Notre Dame hasn't won a national championship since 1989. Is many of the fans... (laughs) 
shouldn't do that when talking about women's sports. That is a hot take. Maybe you just shouldn't throw money at it anymore. I mean, because remember, listen, I run a business. I've I've had to make decisions and stuff. I'm not throwing money at anymore. Well, what I was actually going to things like the coaching hires itself. If John remembers this, when Dave Hart made the difficult decision, and it was difficult, he basically forced Pat Summit to turn the whistle over to Holly Warlick. That upset a lot of fans. And I'm like, guys, y'all really want somebody who has this serious, serious illness coaching on the sidelines? That's not, you, you can't have that. And then when Fulmer tried to do a coaching search, Lady Vol's community just hounded on him and said, you've got to get a Summit protege. You've got to get a former Lady Vol who played for Summit. Why? Why? This is the stuff that derails programs. This is what derailed Alabama until they hired Nick Saban. They kept saying, oh, we got to find a Bear Bryant's protege. We got to find a guy who was tied to Bear. And I think the Lady Vol community is more detrimental to the Lady Vol success than anything that could possibly. They are more detrimental than anything to the Lady Vol success, the Lady Vol fan base. That's that's a valid assessment. And it's true in some ways, but that's part of the fan base. Not all of the fan base is like that. And now that it's had two former Lady Vols, integral. I mean, Holly Warlick was as Lady Vol as you could get. She played and starred for Tennessee teams. She was a longtime assistant coach under Summit. Tennessee had no choice but to hire her. The transition was going to be traumatic no matter what. It had to hire her. And I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't say, Pat, you know, it's not a good idea for you to keep coaching. And it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good idea. But then you can't, and then you're gonna say, but we're not gonna appoint your assistant to replace you, your longtime assistant. No. And that is what needed to be done. And Tennessee gave her seven years and she won quite a few games. She made the tournament every year, three elite eights, as I said, but the program was slipping. Okay. So then Tennessee makes the decision. I guess there was enough pressure from boosters. Philip Fulmer, I'm sure wanted nothing to do with women's basketball. Oh, I got to hire somebody. Tennessee could have hired the Louisville coach, who's one of the best coaches in the country. He wanted the job, and he would have come here probably for the, probably for the same amount of money he was making at Louisville. But as Caleb pointed out, oh no, you limit yourself when you say you got to get a lady vol, someone with uh, Tennessee ties, or even you limit yourself even when you say, well, you got to have a woman coach. No. You got to have the best coach you can get if you want to do if you want to do credit to Pat Summit's legacy. And that's kind of how I look at this. I agree. I look Pat, at it Pat Summit would would not back any of her former players just because they're former players. She would give you the honest assessment and say that's a great coach, that's a okay coach, that's a crappy coach, don't hire. And I I yeah, I just think again Pat Summit had an incredible positive impact on the University of Tennessee. It went way beyond sports. Everybody knew Pat Summit. She was an incredible goodwill ambassador for the university, for all of East Tennessee, for the state. Agreed. And and that's what bothers me about what's happening with the program now. It's just... It's just going down, down, down. It's not falling off the map. It's a, it's a sad, slow slide. Um, is the Sweet 16 the worst thing 
that could happen for the Lady Balls. What down is that, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. I'm going to ask each of us a question. 60 seconds, Dynasty Pools and Spas mentioned off the hook sports. Get $500 off any spa you choose. Having the best spas made right here in the United States of America in your backyard. Dynasty Pools and Spas, their showroom is open in Athens right off the interstate. You can stop by and check out the best hot tubs and spas in the market. And then delivery, yes, they can do that. It's Knoxville or Chattanooga. They've got complete support spa cover and chemicals to keep your spa bubbling at its best. They also have pool chemicals as well. Dynasty Pools and Spas, amazing discounts for first responders, military, and even some blemish models. It can save you a ton, and no one will ever notice. Mention Off the Hook Sports, get $500 off. Mention Off the Hook Sports, get $500 off. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com or stop by that showroom in Athens. DynastyPoolsAndSpas.com. Dynasty Pools and Spas. So it was back in 2008 that a school called Georgia, maybe you've heard of them, won the uh, SEC uh, basketball tournament. So they had to hold on to Dennis Felton because he got in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Tennessee making the Sweet 16 this year, if they can even do that, is the worst possible thing that could happen. Winning a championship is the best, right? But not making the tournament or getting bounced in the first two rounds would be better because then you would definitely make a change. John, thoughts on that logic? Am I right or wrong? Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that. But then here's the other factor in it. I'm not sure Tennessee cares that much. So <laughs> even if even if Kelly was the coach, I mean, if you said, okay, we this is not good enough, Tennessee – uh, we're not satisfied with the Sweet 16. We certainly aren't satisfied with not making the tournament. Need to make a coaching change. You fire Kelly Harper. Okay, well, then who do you hire? You, yep, you've got to go out and try and get one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, or otherwise, I guess just keep Kelly around. You should have just kept Holly around. Let me rephrase the question for Caleb. If you want to be elite, is the Sweet 16 the worst thing that could happen for Tennessee's Lady Ball program? Oh, it's absolutely the worst. It's as bad as you guys remember 2006. Uh, there was a rumor that Shula could have kept his job if he had beaten Auburn that year. Yeah. And I think I think every Alabama fan looks back and they're like, thank God Alabama lost to Auburn that game. And so, I mean... <laughs> It's uh, it's it's absolutely the worst if they go to the Sweet 16. You want them <laughs> bounced out early, yeah. John's been incredible this time. What down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Okay, last thing. Let's say Tennessee makes the Sweet 16, which is very possible even at the 12 and seven record because we know that they're going to be big time favorites over the first team they play because it is still women's bat. Well, maybe not depending on their seating. Um, but what do you think will ultimately forget the seeding stuff? Just take that aside. What do you think ultimately happens this year? John, if you were to predict based off we're unsure if Danny White even cares nearly as much as a lot of the fans do, we know the fans can undermine a potential hire. He knows that. So how do you see this thing ending at the end of the day? Well, I see Tennessee uh, edging into the uh, NCAA tournament field just barely, maybe by a game, maybe less or in, and then 
losing first or second game in the tournament and uh, Kelly Harper returning as coach. Ouch. I, I okay, let me get let's I'm one second and then Caleb Bob because you you you're very tuned in with Lady Vols. That would be awful. Um, that would just be purely awful to Pat Summit's legacy. And uh, I think there's going to be a change made. I think that, and the reason I think so is because Danny White's been so quiet about it. So I just get the feeling this is me on the outside looking in that they they make a change. Caleb, you tell me, sir. I agree with you, Dave. I think I think they, I, John. I agree. That's what happens. But I think Danny White fires Kelly Harper, and I've seen Danny White's track record as a hire at Buffalo, as a hire at UCF. He found women's basketball coaches at both of those programs that are doing very well. We're talking about we talk about him fundraising. He's the best coach hirer in the country of any athletic director, and his track record proves it. I think he knows that. There are candidates out there right now that are really, really good in coaching that would take the Lady Vol job in a heartbeat on a discount too. And so I have more faith in him than I ever had, for instance, in John Curry in 2017, when I knew that John Curry didn't know what he was doing when he didn't fire Butch Jones. I think Danny White's a little bit different story. And so I think that's what they'll do and what they should do. And the biggest thing is, I know we keep talking about the legacy of Pat Summit. If Tennessee is going to be successful long-term, they have to let Summit rest in peace. They have to bury Pat Summit, and they have to actually think about the future of the program. The same way Alabama had to bury the hat. That's what they finally said when they hired Nick Saban. They can't think about even Summit's legacy. Because I even think part of the reason the program fell behind was Pat Summit was such a purist at the end, canceling the series with UConn over wasn't that big of a recruiting violation Gina was doing. I mean, you can't do things like that. Um, thinking. I agree with that, John. It's, it's, it's a shame that uh, – Greg Schiano is not able to make the decision because uh, right now he would probably be flaming out as a coach and Tennessee likes to hire their former coaches as athletic directors. So maybe he'd be making that decision. But I throw a little hey. in there. I know you like that. Sorry. Uh, when I, when I keep talking about summit's legacy and how much it, it means to the state and to the area and to the program, I'm not saying Tennessee needs to recreate what Pat summit did. I say you don't forget about Pat Summit. You honor her legacy. But the program going forward has to be somebody else's program now. It doesn't have to have any it doesn't have to have any Lady Vol connections to it. It just needs to be make it on your own. And that's the best way to honor Pat Summit. And I just kind of feel like and maybe this is uh I don't know, maybe I'm being too sentimental, sentimental here, but I just admired her a lot for what she did. And I just kind of think it Tennessee owes her that much. And but again, not you honor her by getting the best coach you can. Amen. And and you don't worry about Lady Vols past how many Lady Vol coaches how many former Lady Vol players have been raging successes as a head coach? Uh, would you say raging, not Carol Lawson? No, raging. not raging. No, He's been good. No. But... Yeah. No, God, I'm, it's very I'm, similar. I'm with you, and I would say this, too, about Pat Summit. I have no doubt that she would make the hard decision. Let's say she were the athletic director, okay? Like, she didn't get sick, but she didn't want to coach anymore. 
she would make the hard decision in terms of, I don't think this is the person to hire. Just like she made the hard decisions, and we can debate it, she will not play UConn anymore. She knew that would hurt women's basketball, but she took a stand. She did 15,000 media interviews asking the same question individually with each television station before or after practice. She did all kinds of things that she didn't want to do because she thought it was best for women's basketball as a program. John, we kept you way over, buddy. I really appreciate it. Have a uh, have a blessed day. Stay safe out there. Uh, I think the weather's cleared up, but I know that you are you can always trip or fall just randomly. Yeah. Twice, <laughs> twi- twice in seven weeks. John, love you, man. <laughs> Be safe, brother. I'll, t- I'll see, see you guys. Tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, John Adams of uh, the Knoxville News Sentinel, as good as they come. I think you almost have to make a break now. I think if Kara Lawson calls and says, I want the job, you've almost got to make a break just for the optics of it that, hey, we're moving on. Tennessee's moving on. You see what I'm saying? I mean, even if Kara says, hey, can I have the job? Well, that Louisville well, guy, other- I, don't, I, don't, I don't know women's basketball as well as John, but if he tells me the Louisville guy would have been way better than Kelly Harper or Holly Warlick, I believe him, don't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Scott Walls, I think is his name. Um uh, he was a Maryland assistant under Brenda Fries, and that was when they won a national title in 06. So he's he's a good coach. The, here was the problem. Here was the original sin. You know how I talk about how Joe Milton was Josh Heupel's original sin? And that well, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is actually something I want to – okay. The, the, the original sin is – okay, go ahead. Tennessee's original sin was when they hired Kelly Harper – or not Kelly Harper, excuse me, Holly Warlick as Pat Summit's replacement. They gave her a laughably bad contract like a laughably low pay scale given what she was doing. So to get the Louisville coach, they were going to have to pay more than they were ever paying Kelly or Holly Warlick. Now to a lot of women's groups that was going to look very bad. If you offered this male coach way more money than you offered the woman coach four years before, even though at the time the woman coach was eminently more qualified and that set him back. That was, that was their original, that was their original sin was not given Holly Warlick the proper contract that she deserved when she when she first got hired. My guy, Caleb, who I love, has a crazy take. That happens from time to time. That's why I love him. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Is Josh Heupel purposefully trying to avoid spring games? I'm just going to let you roll, my brother. You tell me what you think and why. So give me a give me a, a couple of, uh, let's say, uh, building blocks to get a foundation started. Why in the world would he be avoiding spring games? It'll be next. But as far as the, the facts and the contributing factors and, and why you think so, give me those first. Okay, so Danny White spoke last week that the spring game right now is in flux because there are renovations happening on the south end zone at Neyland Stadium. It's possible that there's not a spring game. Two years ago, this happened. There were renovations on the other end of Neyland Stadium, and the spring game was just outright canceled by Tennessee. Josh Heupel is the vaguest, most gamesmanship coach I have ever covered. I mean, he is the most, I, I don't want to call him a liar because he's not like Butch Jones, but he goes out of his way to not give you any information possible. It, it's honestly Great. kind of frustrating, Dave. I Great. think it's very, it's very clear to me 
Josh Heupel does not want anybody to see anything he's trying with anything with his program. The spring game last year was laughable. How little did he reveal in the spring game last year? It, it well, was, it was no, it was stupid. Yeah, it was stupid. I think Josh Heupel would much rather not waste his time with it. I felt like the spring game last year was so contrived and orchestrated that they didn't want Nico to look great, and they wanted Gaston Moore to look better than he is. They did. You're right. They played Gaston Moore so much. Heupel didn't want people calling for Nico to be the starter. I mean, it was like Gaston Moore was going to pick up an NIL deal based off off the spring game. Um, Yeah, so Heupel doesn't want – he doesn't want to reveal things. And he's, he's so ridiculous. I mean, he doesn't want to reveal. I've never seen a coach want to reveal so little, quite honestly. And, you know, as a media guy, I got to say, I'd rather cover Nick Saban and get publicly lambasted by Nick Saban the way he did to the media because Nick Saban will give me more than Josh Heupel gives me, quite honestly, when you're covering those two coaches. Okay, so I'm going to reset our poll question. Um, uh, do, do you care if there's an orange and white game anymore? Uh, so I'm going to put absolutely, I love it. And then I'm going to go along the lines of, nah, just win in the fall. Okay, so there we go. Our other question that started the day, so please take part in our new poll question, was the most important player not named Nico. And James Pierce got 30% of the vote. That was Caleb's. Mine was Brew McCoy, got 8% of the vote. Uh, Cooper Mays, which ended up being Caleb's, actually got 45% of the vote. Dylan Sampson with 17% of the vote. So let's let's see what we can do here. And you give us your thoughts. Absolutely love it or no win in the fall. Now, I'm going to go the conspiracy theorist uh, with you for just a moment. You only have so many practices, okay, in full practice. Now, I hate to tell you, but they have full practice in summer. They're just not in pads. So you bre- that's the most breakable rule in the history of man. You're going to have practices, but they're just not full pads. But the NCAA tell you whether or not they're full pads. So you only have X amount. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It may be 16 full pad practices. One of those is taken up by the spring game in which you don't want to show anything because it's nationally televised. And I do believe by nature, Josh Heupel is very secretive. So I'm with you. When I first saw it, it was, I thought it was so conspiracy Caleb that I was like, this is maybe the craziest thing he's ever said, but I'm now with you. You've won me over. I think he would love to find a way each and every week, not announce that there's no orange and white game anymore. Make no amount ima- announcement. Just kind of stumble up to it and say, well, you know, we'll see every year. And it's not a big deal. It's like rain. If it happens, it happens. You overcome it. If there's no orange and white game, you overcome it. So tell me uh, on the message board, do you care if there's even an orange and white game and take part in the poll at the top of the YouTube Page, do you think most fans even care if there's an orange and white game? I think they care if there's a first year head coach installing a new system because they want to see what it looks like. But I don't think they care to this point with spring games, largely because Josh Eiffel, as fun as his offense is, he doesn't reveal anything to you in the spring game. I mean, he goes out of his way to not show you anything. Do you remember when Nick Saban was trying to rebuild Alabama and he? They pushed to get a hundred thousand in Bryant Denny, which doesn't even seat that 
many, and they had people like in the circular concourses that went up. Do you remember that? that? Oh, I remember. That was his first spring game. Yeah. Do you think he would do that now, or he would just as soon keep everything close to the vest? Um, I think he would do it year one, but I don't think he'd care about it. About, about whatever. Yeah, I don't think he. Uh, I don't out. think he would at this point. Nah. Well, I, I, actually, yeah, he wouldn't. I also know this, and you know this well, Dave. Nick Saban was a lot friendlier when the, with the media when he was at LSU than he was when he was at Alabama. When Nick Saban needed to build his profile, he was very, very gracious in interviews and gave you a lot of good stuff. And then once he got famous, he's like, I don't have to do this anymore. I'm just going to be a total jerk to you, to you guys. Here is my, yeah. here's my moment of clarity that tends to happen during every show because Caleb brings out the best of me. It's brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the fire opals, the Tennessee tradition, rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. So get in on the message board. You tell me what you think. By the way, the vote so far is completely 50-50. Do you care if there's an orange or white game anymore? Absolutely. I love it. 50% nod. Just win in the fall. 50%. So let me ask you this, this, who remembers the fan day? Bingo. Dad, blame it. Fallout zone might be related to me. He's just a new listener, uh, but we're on the same page. Who remembers the old fan days where they'd have guys, players that would be sitting there and they would sign stuff for you. And it was before the orange or white game. It was early in the morning. So everybody got their stuff done. It was like uh, 10 a.m. And it was essentially what Fallout Zone is saying uh, with the autographs. Well, they stopped that. Why? Partly, maybe, because NIL, those suddenly, those things you're asking guys to sign, they're taking their time when they could get paid a couple of hundred bucks. Trust me, I've done the pricing. A couple of hundred bucks for an hour somewhere else. That, that has gone away. That, to me, was more important than what they did at the Orange and White game. I didn't even care what they did during the game bring that back okay that's level one level two don't even practice don't hold a skills challenge don't do anything just hang out with the fans so it doesn't count as one of those practices that's right that's genius okay so just have them come out and only ask for 30 minutes. Say this group comes out for 30 minutes. Another group comes out for 30 minutes. Is everybody going to get what they want from Nico? Hell no. I mean, you're not. You're not going to get everything signed that you want from Nico. He's going to be. He's going to have 10,000 people around him. That's what I would do. To heck with the practice. Just hold a fan day in Neyland Stadium. So this is – okay, so I have to ask you, Dave, because you, you we talked about this about – a few weeks ago, you know, Tennessee is way ahead of its fundraising goals. You know, they have that $500 million goal under Danny White. Oh, I know. Everybody's doing it. This is the absolute best fan base in the world. Go ahead. Here's my quick. This is, I I was thinking about this because they're next to the spring game. Do you remember last year we ranted about it or about how Danny White was charging for the spring game to try to reach Mm -hmm. the $500 million goal? Okay. If they're not doing it this year, they haven't said they're not doing it, but my guess is they're going to try to nix it again. Do you think it's possible? Because if Danny White needs the money, but Josh Heupel needs to have that extra practice, you would think Danny White would win out and say, Josh, we need this money from the spring game, wouldn't you? Yes. And do you think it's possible that either Danny White's made the calculation that the spring game didn't bring that much money last year, or they're so ahead of the curve they can raise the money without the spring game? Yes. Yes. I, Which I one is it? That- Which one is it? Well, I don't think they care. I don't think they care about revenue for the spring game. I don't think you should. I, you don't I, think it's that significant towards yeah, their and, goal? 
And I'll tell you what, I'm going to take it a step further. This is my fan day instead of the orange and white game. I'm going to have one special guest. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to call Al Wilson and I'm going to say, you're our special guest and I am going to pay you because you're a man and it's your time. So I'm going to pay you five grand to sit there for the two hours and then I'm going to rotate players in and out. So that kind of takes a little heat off the Nico guys that everybody wants to talk about there. And I don't, also, care, if what about this? That, I don't care if you have a practice that day or not. You know? And also to raise money. What about like sanction, like a Kenny Chesney concert, you know, bring some fans in for that. Well, here's my yeah. concern. I, I want, I want the fan that can't afford the tickets in the fall to be able to go to my event. So if you start bringing it in, then you've got caught, co- you got more cost involved and you're going to have yeah, to start. But you got to raise money somehow. This is the whole point. Ah, How do you, ah. well, this is why he charged for the spring game last year. No, this is wrong. That was stupid. Your one, one event that you don't worry about money. You worry about growing a fan base. My 18-year-old son has never seen Tennessee worth a damn. I mean, think about that, Caleb. That so fan you, base. You don't have to grow the fan base in football. You don't have to no, grow the no, Tennessee football Caleb, fan base. I swear, I, I swear you do. Not, not grow the fan base, but help that foundation. Anybody that is significantly younger than you, you're in your mid-30s. Anybody that is in their early 20s thinks of Tennessee as a joke football program. That's a fact. And if you go over there and you build some goodwill with 12 to 16-year-olds that their dad takes them over there and says, I swear they used to be good. Believe it or not, they used to be really good. Don't worry about money. Make it free. I, I, I'm telling you, Caleb, there's a different – You do you think of the Tennessee Titans as a, a true Super Bowl contender? Maybe because you remember 2000, but most people don't. Like my son sure doesn't. Well, no, I've been tortured by the Titans for too long now for the last 11 years. So I definitely don't think of them as that. But where I met, it's obviously Danny White said that started charging for the spring game last year because Danny White was concerned that he won't make the $500 million revenue goal. And (laughs) that's why he did it. If you you build, if you have 20,000 people show up for this thing and 15,000 are younger than 18 years old, and they never forget that because they got an autograph from Nico, Dylan, Pierce, whoever. That's worth it. Forget about the money. And if you fall, if you raise four hundred and ninety nine instead of five hundred million, too bad. Sports treasures. Sports treasures carrying over. Hold on. Sports treasures carrying over five million. Sports treasures. So much more. Follow on Facebook. They had a hand and hooker autographed. Uh, helmet that was simply awesome. Daily updates, best sports memorabilia, facebook.com. Go to Sports Treasures TN and follow them today. Sports Treasures TN. All right. So you were going to say, Caleb? I'm going to get us canceled for this, but I got a way to raise money. And it's a Lady Fall car wash. <laughs> yeah, how did you get so sidetracked? Okay. So you can okay, do. Sorry. Okay. If, if, if you want to do a lady ball car wash, you could, I guess you could do that. That's not what I would, but I'll tell you what I would do in all seriousness. I would have the basketball team there too. I would have the lady balls. I would open it up. Okay. If you're smart. All right. Who's the, who's the smartest football play? The smartest two football players I know right now on Tennessee's roster. You want to guess? The smartest players. Oh, you have them. You have them with you. Thank you. They were smart enough. We're not paying them now what we were paying them then. It wasn't a, 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 a ton of money, okay? 
but they saw the value in growing and now they're making a pretty good uh, bit of coin for 20 minute, a 20 minute podcast. So um, they saw the value in growing their brand. So you send out a mass email to all the athletes. If you think that you might be NIL worthy, challenge them a little bit. You show up at the spring game, you're outside the stadium at gate 20 and you're autographing stuff and you never know. Look at the LSU gymnast. She is like worth a million dollars because she is gorgeous. Yes, so but the LSU never, program is losing money in gymnastics. I'm pretty know, sure. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about. I'm talking about NIL. You you put it out there, and if those people want to show up, then you've got even more autographed people, and it's a football event. It's a big event. It's called the Vol Day. Boom, bam, there you go. Who gives a bleep if they snap a football for practice or not? No, I agree. No one really cares at this point if they snap a football because there's nothing worth watching. By the way, I, I agree with Elias to make it even so I don't sound sexist. Tony Vitello should do a car wash too, shirtless. Okay, Tony Vitello shirtless do a car wash. And so, because <laughs> um, oh you know. Gosh, I don't even know what to say about that, but. That's hot. <laughs> a, a, a shirtless Tony Vitello is going to do the car wash. Hey, it's better than Bruce Pearl showing up shirtless for a Lady Falls game. That was gross. Remember that? Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm completely hetero, but I would say that um, Tony Vitello doing a car wash topless would be that's hot. <laughs> I'm joking, I don't know if it'd be hot or not. Man, I'll, I wish we had John for this one. speak to that. Um, okay, so <laughs> I sorry, hooker wet t shirt contest, that's all I just saw, but yeah. okay, uh, on a Olivia, level, Dun Olivia Dunn, um, is the LSU gymnast. <laughs> You very well could stumble. Listen, if you're a car dealership or whatever, you could uh, upon this, you could see somebody that you think would be a good representation for your brand. Maybe not as much exposure as football or basketball, but you say, hey, I want you to represent my brand. I I've got it figured out and you don't have to snap a single football. No, I mean, I, I, I got you with that. I'm with you with that. If you're trying to bring new fans, that's fine. Um you know, but I, all I met is I, I'm still stuck on the money thing only because Danny White, char it's weird to me that he charged last year for the spring game. So he said last year, we need this money to reach our revenue. But then this year he says, we might not even need a spring game, which leads, e which leads you to believe that either they're so ahead of the curve in fundraising, it doesn't matter. Or that charging thing last year was a giant failure and didn't work out the way they'd hoped it would. Take, take one second, everyone. Take one second, everyone. Hit that like button. We appreciate that. It means a lot for us. It brings more people uh, into the channel. And then coming up on the program, uh, NIL creating more parity. Is that good or bad for Tennessee? Two minutes. Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker, off the sports. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. 
We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your man. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. So I'm sending out a Twitter push to get more people on board. Uh, you can help me with that, too. Hit the like button right now. Uh, go ahead and comment and vote. Uh, our poll question that's up and running do you care if there's an orange and white game anymore? Absolutely love it. 56% of the vote. Nah, just win in the fall gets 44% of the vote. So uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, vote on that. And uh, d- tell me why you like the uh, the spring game or not. Tell me if you think it's uh, a big deal. Uh, Mead Drinker says, I bet Dave's wife gets on him for some of the stuff we say. I bet you that uh, Dave's wife doesn't watch the show regularly because she's never listened to any of my shows in 25 years and doesn't know anything about sports. And uh, football is an ambient for uh, Mrs. Hooker. I mean, it's like within five minutes, boom, she's out. And I'm sitting there watching, taking notes. Dave, when I got a question. When you proposed, did you say, can I make a hooker out of you? I didn't. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> our, first date, our first date was to a sports bar to watch a Cowboys game, though. So uh, there you go. All right. So um, the NIL, the idea was that it got payers played, but we didn't know. And I love the I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan and I don't like the Denver stuff, but I, I love what Kobe Bryant said. Um, he said, I don't have all the answers. I don't even have all the questions. We didn't know the question. So the question now is, what Caleb, as we learn more about NIL and what would now be year four coming into year four, this is 2024 is going to be the third recruiting class, the third signing day after NIL went into effect. It went into effect July 1st, 2021. Okay, so the 2021 okay, recruiting class doesn't count. Yes, okay. as of right now, the top 10 players on 247 Sports Composite, eight different schools have a commitment from a top 10 player on 247 Sports Composite. It was seven each of the previous two years. That's all in an NIL era. In the pre-NIL era, it was six in 2021, five in 2020, and five in 2019. Now that seems minimal, you know, six to seven and five to eight, but that it's consistently the last three years been more than the previous three years suggests that NIL is developing more parity. There's a catch. 
if I go beyond three years, there were multiple times in the 10 years before that where you had nine or 10 schools, different schools have top 10 players. I think NIL saved college football from losing its parity because I think the SEC was getting so dominant by the late 2010s that only a handful of schools were getting a lot of talent. And I think the NIL is actually bringing college football. People are seeing it's bringing more parity. You know, I think it's just bringing college football kind of back to where it was before Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State got every single recruit in the world. Well, I don't see how it could possibly. At the end of the day, what is it all? What's it all about, Caleb? At the end of the What's day, in a, life, money. Life. For most people, it's about money. Okay, so yeah. like if you if you won one of your parlays and you you brought home two million dollars on a weekend, I imagine the Dave Hooker show with Caleb Calhoun would need retooling because you might have other things that you want to do with your life. Okay, so I mean, I hope that wouldn't be the case. I actually, if I won the lottery, would still do do the show. My wife and I talked about it when when uh when I. I'm never going to retire. I love what Howard Stern's doing at uh, 70 years old, where he's interviewing like old rock bands. I mean, I, this will evolve into something until the day I die or I'm incapable of doing it. But for the most people, it's about money. So how can NIL achieve parity when everybody doesn't have the same amount of money? I mean, <laughs> there's no, that, that, that equates itself. So you can't really achieve parity, which I think is what you were saying in a different sort of way, because the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Tennessees, uh, the Texases, they have more money than the Mississippi States and the Oregon States and the Washington States. So really it, it's done the opposite of create more parity. It's been fairer for players who get stuck two years behind a guy and can't play, especially at the quarterback position. And that's great. But really what's happened is those programs that may have seen a dip in their quarterback play have gone out and gotten other quarterbacks and it's made them better programs. So maybe if you want to talk about the top 25 programs, it makes it a little bit more parity there, maybe. But what it's really doing, and we're in the middle of this, we haven't seen it yet, it's going to leave some programs in the dust. And and it is like the Washington State and the Oregon States. They're, hell, they're not even in the conference anymore, Caleb. So, I mean, they are, but they're not. So, I, to me, it's actually resulted in less parity, far less parity. Well, okay, this it depends on what you mean by parity. It's going to leave it there will be here put it this way. There will be more people, more programs able to have a big piece of uh, eat at the big t- big kids table. There will be more programs able to eat at the big kids table, but there will be no little kids table. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So right now. Yeah. And so the thing with NIL that's interesting is this. The reason it, it, it brings more parity among the upper echelon schools than it used to is because, Dave, let's just be honest. There was no parity in college sports before NIL. Okay, the schools with the most resources always got the best recruits. Nick Saban used to complain like, NIL will hurt parity. You're in Alabama getting a number one recruiting class every year. What are you talking about? There, you know, we, we need, there's not enough parity. Obviously, there's like, so the, the point with NIL was, I think what NIL's done here's what here's what it is, and you're somebody who's covered recruiting. The 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 you never have parity in college football. You're never going to have the NFL ever. That's never going to happen in college football. But you can make teams a little bit closer to each other 
the number one thing that makes them closer to each other, Dave, is if the number of factors that go into recruiting increases. So there's location, school resources, conference, playing time. Now there's NIL. Now that just happens to be the biggest factor in recruiting. I mean, that just happens to overtake every other factor we've named. But the sheer volume of factors in recruiting is naturally going to increase the number of schools that can have a seat at the table. And so NIL is a big one. Excuse me, I choked up. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to post another poll, but um, because I'm, I'm engaged in this conversation, but I do want you to tell me on the message board: Do you really want parity? Because the NFL is, they strive for that. Uh, professional leagues strive for that. That's why they have salary caps. That's why they have inverted draft selections based off records. Um, and, and we have Socialism. seen what's that. It's literal communism. I mean, the yeah. NFL is literally communism. Oh, and <laughs> do we like that? Or did we like it better that that the Patriots were dominating? Now, they were doing so in a time that they were trying to get parity. The NFL was. But in, in the end, what happened? A guy named Tom Brady was so special that he dominated. So what do we want? Because let's face it, guys. I know a lot of you are Tennessee fans, and we've got a lot of fans from other schools. Probably you hated Alabama dominating, but that was one great narrative, was it not? When Georgia finally beat Alabama for a championship, that was a great narrative. Could anybody, oh, uh, could, could any former Saban assistant ever beat him? That was a great narrative. So do we really want it or do we think we want it? We want it because you're missing. There's two. There were two narrative. There's two narratives in the NFL, and this is what what's real big about the NFL. Yes, there's the narrative. Can anybody knock off Tom Brady? But the other narrative was, and this is where it was different from college football. You could look at your team, and no matter how bad you were, you could say, you know, next year if we get some good free agents and things bounce our way, we could win the Super Bowl. You're never more than a year out from winning the Super Bowl if you're an NFL team. Dave, when ten, when Josh Heupel to if you were following Tennessee in 2019, did you think, oh, Tennessee could beat Alabama in 2020? No, you didn't think that, and nobody thought it. Okay, so the 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 concept of parity from the NFL perspective, yes, the Patriots were a villain, but there were so many other teams in that time that were winning Super Bowls at the same time. It, the in, college football's problem was borderline the NBA's problem. Remember the NBA? I mean, for as long as you've been watching the NBA, Dave, have there ever been more than two or three teams that could win the finals in any year? <clears throat> no, but they've been different year to year, so I'm not following uh, your thinking. I mean, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, if I mean nobody talks about the Bucks before Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. I think we need to stick. I think we need to stick with football because one basketball player can make a monstrous difference. Personally. Okay, but what I mean is this parity. But that was the college football was so loading up with talent. You, I mean, two years ago, Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia, you could bet them versus the field. You should never be at a point where you could bet three teams versus the entire field to win a championship ever. That's ridiculous. And I mean, you couldn't do that with with the NFL. You, even when the Patriots were at their peak, you couldn't bet the Patriots and two other teams versus the field. You could See, never I, do that. Okay, I came up during a time where the NFC East dominated. Now, when I became a Cowboys fan, and people call me a front-running fan, I'm really not. The Cowboys were awful when I started rooting for them. They had a quarterback named Danny Watt that was hella bad. and um, But the NFC East dominated with the Giants, the Redskins, and the Cowboys, and the Eagles. The Eagles didn't win a championship, but they were very dominant. 
So it was kind of fun. That was the narrative back then. Can anybody topple the best team in the SE in the NFC East? So that was kind of fun. So I'm I'm going to break with you on that. I'm okay with having three or four teams. I'm actually okay with the narrative of having one dynasty. I think that numbers don't support your argument, though. Okay, well, I could be wrong, but that's the way I feel. I think you're starting to see Patrick Mahomes create that Patriots like dynasty where there's no in between. You either hate him or you love him. And well, Patrick think, Mahomes is. I'm sorry. So I think that's I think that's a good narrative. Patrick Mahomes is a unique. We are watching. Here's what we're watching that's so rare with Patrick Mahomes. So with Peyton Manning, when Tom Brady was having a dynasty in the regular season, you would still say maybe Peyton Manning was better. Aaron Rodgers was better, you know, something like that. But Tom Brady would get the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the first player that we've ever watched at quarterback for in the NFL to be the best player in the regular season year in and year out and have a dynasty going. Well, true, we've but never I, seen that. That can't happen in college football. I guess what I'm asking you is if you entered the season and you said, I would take Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee uh, uh, over the field. But the next year, you'd say, I would take Ohio State, Michigan, Southern Cal against the field. To me, that is parody. Yeah, but there's... Unless they're the same three programs every year. Right, but it you like you just brought it up. It was the, it was the same few programs in the NFC East. So as a Cowboy fan, you had fun with it. How did every other fan base feel that wasn't in the NFC East, though, Dave? Well, no, no, no. I thought it was cool even when the Cowboys were 3-13 and 13 and 1-15 and, and the Giants and Redskins were dominant. I okay. hated it, but it was cool. I, I don't me, know how to explain that, really. Let me bring it Let me bring it down this way, actually, because it was when you were covering Tennessee. There was about a 10-year period from, I'd say, 93 to 2002, where the betting was it was Tennessee and Florida versus the field to win the SEC, wasn't it? Yes. Now – there was a lot of apathy among a lot of SEC schools during that time. The SEC is much better now because so many other teams have these expectations. Tennessee and Florida ran roughshod over the SEC, and it was bad for the conference. Now, Tennessee fans loved it. Y'all are going to hate me for saying it. Florida fans loved it. But Tennessee, but it wasn't great for the SEC when Tennessee and Florida were the only two teams that mattered in the league. And there was a period where they were literally the only two teams that were worth, that were worth worthy of national attention from the SEC during that time period. Agreed. Uh, Great stuff, man. Love having John Adams on the program. Jimmy Himes will join us tomorrow. I want to address one question. If if Nico just up and decides to leave, would he still get the contract money that he's been promised? I'm sure there's an out in that. Um, That, that, the people putting these contracts together surely aren't stupid. So if he were to go to another school, you got to remember he has value, big time value. So that if he went to another school, they're going to match his NIL money. If he went to the NFL, it's because he's good enough to get NFL money. So I don't think he's going to come back to Tennessee and try to strong arm them out of the $2 million uh, that he was supposed to receive. And he's not there. I'm not hundred percent sure. However, I do have the hat. Is the hat right now? Is it? Did I unmirror me? No, you still haven't unmirrored yourself. Oh, my goodness. That's embarrassing. I worked on that all night last night. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Great show. Love you guys. We'll talk to you at 10 a.m. weekdays live or whenever you stream. Have a fantastic rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.